0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources
1: like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So, well, i will get started. Yeah. I we're going to pray. We've been praying, we've been worshiping, but I'm going to pray again. Because um, that's the thing. Jesus, we just uh, we just come before you now and ask, like help, Clayton and I, to really communicate your heart behind what we're doing here at Seashore Church. This is still a baby church, we're a baby infant church, and um, you have great plans for individuals, individual families, but then as a corporate family, as a great family together. And so, God, I pray that we'd all just be willing to go on journey with you and everything that we're doing in, our, in our individually with our families, but as a church, that we just be people always ready to do everything you want us to do at any moment, stop things or start things and be very flexible to move and grow with you every day, every day, yeah. in Jesus' name. Um, well, so, so last week, last week we, we began to kick off what we're going to do for the next um, couple, maybe two to three months, and it won't be every single Sunday, but we really want to make sure um, that, that our family now understand who we are. We, we are people who are worshippers first. We are worshippers at the core, like the DNA of the believer is a worshipper, and so what does that mean? What does that mean in our church? What does that mean for the individual? Right, we're going to start explaining some of these things as well as last week, Clayton began to kick it off and he spoke about giving for the very first time in our four-year history. <laughs> so,
0: I speak on giving and then we have new chairs. How's that? Do you like that? <laughs>
1: no, no. They're the chairs for the
0: wedding. They're for the wedding. We'll these are rentals. <laughs> There's a wedding happening here. After church, so we did not enjoy, buy chairs enjoy with the offering. Comfort, light. Soft, there we go. I'm like, so. hey, wow, new necklace. chairs, the drapery <laughs> is back,
1: I want a diamond
0: chandelier. Those are all. Marquee, no, they're not. They're all rentals. Sorry.
1: I, I want to give a little bit of context on that. So the Holy Spirit, from the very beginning of, of us starting and planting this church, He made it very clear to us, you do not need to talk about giving. Not only don't talk about it for the beginning days, don't even take offerings up in services. And so what we did instead is we have where people with churches normally have the five minutes on tithing and giving and a teaching for five minutes, six, ten minutes even. We take that time to teach on what the prophetic is. Because every single believer in Christ is supposed to be a prophetic person. Not everybody's a prophet, capital P, prophet. But every single believer is supposed to be able to grab revelation out of heaven and know it and live by it and hear the voice of God. And that's what it means to be prophetic. So we use that five minutes, 10 minutes to teach people every single week. We say something more, something more, to keep seeding into your hearts, this is the normal life of the believer, to live by the hearing of the Word of God and putting it into action every single day, right? And so we began that last week, and we're going we're gonna to continue today.
0: Yeah, not on the giving part, but giving, we, we actually shared last week that giving is an act of worship, and so if worship is the larger umbrella, then that's the thing we want to focus on the most, and so we wanted to talk about, actually Emily mentioned some of the what we would consider some of the pillars of Seashore Church. This is less a preaching thing this morning and more of a, this is, this is family talk. There you go. Uh, just kind of some of the core values of who we are as a church and why they are the case. I know as we continue to bring in more new people every week, some of these things you may come into a culture but not understand the basis behind the culture. And worship and prayer are not just pillars of Seashore Church, they are pillars of the church. And worship is a, is a very key element to that. And I know for some people, worship is that part of the service where you sing songs. But it's more than just that. That is an expression of your worship. But our worship actually goes much, much deeper, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, so, you know, our worship is all of our living every single day, inviting the Holy Spirit into those. He's already there, but you're acknowledging that He's there. And you're saying, I love you or help me with this, or what should I do there, or I love you again. It's the moment-by-moment acknowledgement. It's the word of Proverbs um, chapter 4 says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, right? He'll make your paths straight. But the acknowledgement, that moment-by-moment acknowledgement is the way we can start to really grow. And it's not like, okay, I get some people might have a job where you are computer programming and your brain is like in that place, in that space of writing. So it's not, it's not like there's this pressure to do this there's invitation to do this because even in the writing of a computer program, the Holy Spirit can be there and helping you and empowering you to do it. He knows everything, omniscient, knows everything God, right? And so he can help you with all that stuff. And so it's in our everyday, so if you have babies and you're changing dirty diapers and you're washing diapers and you're um, maybe, or you're a school teacher and you're in the school class with like six-year-olds or 16-year-olds, you're bringing God with you into every moment and you're awareness of God, your acknowledgement, your uh, just off your heart every now and then, oh, I love you, I love you. Or it's the, how do I do this? How do I handle my 15-year-old in science class who's messing around? Like, Jesus will give you all of the answers that you need every single moment that you need it, but it's our heart decision to tune into him and listen and obey every single moment. And that's part of our worship. Yeah. Our, when, when we work when we work with our hands as part of worship, I want to, just re- I want to read this real quick. Um.
0: Did you say washing diapers?
1: Well, washing diapers. Because if you do,
0: 1950 called, and they want their uh, technique back for raising kids My how many gosh. women here
1: use wow. those cloth diapers thank how many? you thank cloth you. Thank diapers you. Thank, you. thank you thank you thank you wow yeah yeah Do
0: you get a mother medal for cloth diapers that is impressive it's good people i heard that that happened back in the day and i'm like that i would have checked out we're not having kids. no i'm just kidding
1: bring it back lord bring it back that's impressive bring it back jesus sorry i did it <laughs> again so, so, so here's the thing is at the core of who we are, like, so we, we, we've been returned to the place Adam was, was put in the garden. Adam, okay, God created the world, like, in just a couple of days. And he made the man, he picked up Adam out of the dust, breathed into him, but Adam was created in his image, Genesis 1.26. Adam, create man created in God's image to reflect God's glory. And that's what we do as worshipers. We reflect back to him who he is in his glory. But here's the thing is in chapter two, it goes on to say, Adam, God created a garden, a beautiful garden and set Adam into the garden. As he set Adam into the garden, the garden is a type of a temple. Now please understand that when Adam was set into that garden, it was so that he could have the most unique and beautiful intimacy with Father. God would just turn up and walk with him in the cool of the day, all the time, like just walk with Adam, unbroken fellowship, unbroken. There's nothing hidden, right, between Adam and Eve, but nothing hidden. He was able to just communicate all the time, nothing hindering that relationship. You and I have been returned to that type of invitation into intimacy, into relationship that is that deep and that personal and ongoing intimate relationship with God. But in the same way, Adam was set into that garden and it's like the type of a temple. He was going to cultivate the garden, right? One of the words for cultivate from the Greek means just work with your hands. That's why I'm saying worship. One of the things if you're in a, like I said, school situation or computer programming or you're washing diapers, your work when you bring God into those places is worship, right? Everything that you do when you're walking through your life, and it's just God, I love you. God, I love you. You are amazing. You, if it can rise up off your heart in a in a fragrance that is continually rising, because we have an altar, right? Our heart is an altar, and it continually rises off our heart, bringing praise and worship to Him.
0: It's beautiful. You use the phrase cultivate. You know, in the in the New Testament, it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Anybody have a problem with that verse? You're like, fear? We're not supposed to be fearful, right? That phrase work out actually means cultivate in the Greek. The translation is cultivate. Cultivate your salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and wonder. We are meant to cultivate our relationship with God. Not make a decision, pray a prayer, and then go on and live your life the way you want to live it. But like you cultivate a garden, we cultivate our relationship with God. And worship is a great tool of the cultivation of our own hearts as a, as a place of that. And worship is a very big deal to God. Yeah, yeah. You know that Ten Commandment: I shall have no other gods before me? He means it. It's a big deal. And as human beings, we are designed for worship. We are made to worship. Like it's a part of our wiring. So you're going to worship something. And if it's not Him, it will be something else. Something will always get your worship. So if you're struggling in your worship of God, it's not because you're not able to worship God. It's because something else has gotten the worship that only He can handle. God gets worship. He's the only one that can handle it. Nobody else can handle worship. You may handle admiration. You may handle people giving you compliments, but worship? No, we were designed to give it, not receive it. And nothing else was designed to receive it as well. You know, when, when uh, the Hebrews were in slavery in Egypt, and God said, I'm going to deliver my people from Egypt. You ever wonder, like, what's, what's the why behind the what? We knew that God wanted to deliver his people. But sometimes we, we get this idea of these Bible stories that, God brought them out of Egypt because He wanted to give them the promised land of Canaan, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. And that's true. But the occupation of the promised land was a means to an end. It wasn't the end in itself. Because He says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, I think we actually have that scripture up here. When God was sending Moses to go to Pharaoh, he said, so now, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring back my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be my sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Again, in chapter 4 of Exodus, in verse 16, Then they say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go, so that... Somebody say, so that. that. Say it a little bit louder. So So that. So that they may worship me in the wilderness. God brought them out of Egypt, not just to occupy a place that was pretty cool. He brought them out so that they could worship. Because the place where they were they could not worship. The place where they were, they lacked the freedom of expression of religion. The government said, you can't sing. The government said, you're not allowed to worship. You're not allowed to gather. And God said, I will bring you out of this place of oppression into a place of freedom flowing with milk and honey so that you may worship. That's a principle of first mentions in the Bible. We talked about that last week. Whenever God mentions something first, it establishes a principle and establishes a precedent for how it's going to come after that. The principle and precedent to understand from this is God will bring you out of a place of bondage into a place of freedom so that you may worship Him freely. But if we miss the worship, if we misunderstand that we think freedom is just for the blessing that comes with it, then our worship will end up going in different directions. We'll begin to worship the promised land. We'll start worshiping milk and honey. It's an odd combination, isn't it? Milk and honey. If I'm thinking about, anyway, sidetrack, get back, rewind. We'll start worshiping the blessing. And we'll start wondering if I'm not getting the blessing in the timing that I thought I was going to get, then something must be wrong. Well, the thing that was wrong is you lost your hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're not getting filled, so get hungry again and begin to worship. Begin to worship. It's what you were designed for. Why are things not seeming to fit in your life? Because God wants our worship.
1: So He's actually looking for the worshiper. Like He wants us to give Him His worship, but it's not about the thing that we give Him. It's about... like thing we produce it's about the very heart like he wants our heart the songs yeah. even today it's just about all my love all my love all my love you can have it all uh all my heart all my soul it's look look 10 27 right it's everything given to god so in in, in john, john chapter huh yeah sorry in john chapter four in verse 23 this is the woman at the well jesus met the woman of the well who was a woman who had had many husbands and she lived in a a, a Actually, the town's called Sycar or Sychar, depends on how you pronounce English, <laughs> but I say Sychar. And, but Sycar in the Greek means intoxication, strong intoxication. She was in a city that was known to be a city of drunkenness, and she is an outcast in that city. So she's already an outcast, but understand to be an outcast in a city that's already drunken, debauched city, and she's an outcast there. And that's the one Jesus went to meet from that city. And he said this, from verse 23, John four twenty-three, A time is coming and now has come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit. And in truth. And so there's got to be behind, behind what we're doing with the Lord and our giving of our life, the sincerity and the truth behind it. I give everything here. I take nothing back. I am going to be so given over, broken open my heart. Like we sung the alabaster song, like it's the alabaster perfume bottle poured out on the feet of Jesus by the woman who only had that. Her, all of her world's possession was in that alabaster perfume bottle. She had nothing else in life, but she broke open that alabaster bottle and poured it on the feet of Jesus and said, I'll give you this. And so there's nothing, nothing at all held back. And that's that worship in spirit and truth, in spirit and in truth. It is the Holy Spirit in you, in me, that produces worship to the Father. We can't do it on our own, actually. So on our own, on our best day, it's just like religious striving. But when we just surrender our heart and give everything we have and Holy Spirit comes into us and in us produces back worship, that is, to the Father's heart, something that touches his heart, there's a divine... Transference that takes place, and we literally are worshiping God through the Holy Spirit and producing worship to Him that changes our life because we're doing it, changes our family, but literally changes the atmosphere around about. Like the city, if you're just sitting on your own or sitting with a group of people, you lifting your voice to worship God on any day of the week, at any moment of the day of the week, you change the atmosphere. Because you've opened your mouth up to say something like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord or Hosanna in the highest. It doesn't doesn't matter, right? I love you, I love you, I love you. Just pour out your praise, pour out your worship. The atmosphere around about you, you might not be able to see it with your eyes, but it literally, the spiritual atmosphere changes just because you've spoken out worship to God, right? And this is why we are Worshippers, and God wants worshipers. He seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth because there's a battle that is raging about us every single day and many people don't even know that the battle is happening. But the worshiper knows and the worshiper will lift their voice and add their voice and add their words and sing because they know it pushes back the gates of the enemy and it dismantles all of the enemy's schemes. Literally, like if you can imagine a scaffolding around a building, right? Demons will erect a scaffolding around a building. Your worship and even on, even on your hardest day, if you're not feeling like it, but you stir yourself up and you say, I'm going to do it anyway, Jesus, I love you. That even the smallest breath breathed out in worship or prayer in that sense takes that scaffolding and it t- starts tumbling down, it dismantles the enemy's schemes like that. Our worship is what the devil wants. He then sends so many things into our lives to distract us, to get our attention, to clog up our yeah. spirit so that we can't perceive God or see God or know God and hear His voice is, d- becomes dill or dumb because we have allowed, when, when, if, like it's an if, if you allow the distraction, social media or whatever else, like if you allow the distraction of the world's stuff, the devil tries to ruin worship because he knows worshipers are his worst nightmare.
0: That's it. Can we keep that scripture up there? I want you to hear this. These are the worshipers the Father seeks. The Father seeks worshipers. You ever had a season in your life when you're having a hard time hearing God? And you're pressing in and you're like, you're straining your spiritual ear, whatever that is. Well, you're looking for Him. Imagine if God's looking for you. Imagine if He's the one that's pursuing you. Well, He's looking for worshipers. You want to hear God? You want to be able to discern the voice of God? Become a worshiper. That's why we often share these prophetic words after worship because I know God will speak to you when you're in worship because your focus is on Jesus. The way we hear the voice of God that we've taught is that you focus on Jesus and pay attention to the flow that's coming out of you. So if rivers of living water are flowing from you, focus on Jesus, pay attention to the flow. It's often the spontaneous thought you get in those moments of focusing on Jesus, that you have written off as a distraction, but God's going, no, that's me pursuing you. That spontaneous thought you had in worship, so long as it's not a sinful thought, that spontaneous thought in worship could have been the word of knowledge that led to somebody's healing. It could have been a prophetic word. Pay attention to the flow of what's coming out. But God seeks worshipers. I'd love to be the one that God is looking for. Of course, He's pursuing everybody He loves everybody, but if you want to be able to hear him, be the one that he's actually searching for. That's good. Revelation chapter 3. Can I share that that scripture? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Maybe a familiar verse to a lot of you. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now this sounds like a scripture that we use a lot for people who are unsaved, that God wants to see them saved, right? It's true. He does want to see people saved, but finish the verse. To the one who is victorious, I will give uh, the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the, who is this message to? It's a message to the church. God is saying, I'm standing at the door of the church and knocking. I pray we're never a church that keeps Jesus on the outside knocking. But the point is, Jesus will knock on the door of your heart, Christian, of your heart, disciple, of your heart, believer. There's a constant knock of Jesus on your heart where he says, I want to come in. Like again today, when you woke up this morning, I want to worship. I want your worship. I want to come in again. I want to fill you again. He's constantly, not because the door is like we've closed him off. It's just this constant invitation to intimacy with him. And it's in the intimacy that we hear him. It's in the intimacy that he lives and moves and has his being in us.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, a worshiper, a worshiper is a person who lives really obedient to the Lord, um, and you know. So I've been in church like all my life, all my life. I'm 51. Um, my parents, my dad doesn't. Most of my family don't even love the Lord. Just one. No other way, you're does. 51. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, no way. But but um, so I've had so I've been in and out of a few churches, right? And I understand, I understand that sometimes when you hear the word live obedient to the Lord, a lot of people have like this hangover of religious legalism attached to the understanding of what it means to live obedient to the Lord, right? But God never, that's not out of God's heart. That was never his intention that, that it would be a religious, like a legalistic way of following him. Jesus, Jesus lived a very pure and perfect life and did it as a man emptying himself of all of his divinity filled with the Holy Spirit to show us how we could live perfect and pure when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us to empower us to live a life that is so obedient and there's a willingness off your heart because he's become the one that has captured all of your uh, uh, emo- uh, affections and your attentions, right? And so there's a willingness in your heart to just want to live to please this one that you love. That's the thing that we're talking about when we talk about obedience. You live to please the one you love, right? So it's a very different way of understanding what obedience looks like because because I don't know everybody's experience here, but I know looking around the room easily, some people have had very not healthy church involvement where it's become weary, tiresome, struggling, striving, right? It's not God's heart. Man is who does that, and often that's pushed along by demons too. We are not going to live that way. We are going to live worshipping the one that we love and then learning through the Holy Spirit, being empowered to do it, to live fully obedient, fully laid, live, like, lives laid down before the Lord, obedient to worship Him and obey Him every moment of every day. The hearing and obeying is the Shema from um, Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6. Like, you, oh Israel... He oh Israel, it's the hearing and obeying. Right? But we do it because we're full of the Holy Spirit and He is God and if He's inside you, He's empowering you to do it. We don't strive. We do this because we love Him and we live to please the one we love. Amen.
0: Hey, Ram, so what what are some ways that you like I've known you since I've known you to be a real
1: Since you've known me? I've known you since I've known you <laughs>
0: in all the time that i've known you you've always been a worshiper and i remember when we met she was like my small group leader that's how we actually got to meet and i would be in this little house of yours a little apartment on smith street in wollongong and uh you would lead this bible study and our bible study was the most i'll use the word eclectic is that is that safe and I would watch you worship in this environment, and you would grab your guitar and just play and belt out songs in this little apartment, and like nobody else sang. They're all just (laughs) not, I mean, it it was like, because you know how you, you're usually in your small group in a house, you, like you can sing here, nobody else can really hear you, you know what I mean? But you can't get away with that in a little small house, and so you're like, here I am, the alabaster, and you're trying to sing under it, and you, there may have well been nobody else in the room, but you just belted out worship, and I remember sitting in that just going, who is this girl, like the voice of 10,000 angels, that's a joke in our house, she goes, well, heaven's going to sound like 10,000 angels, and I'm like, well, you sound like so might like as well 10, do it now, <laughs> and uh, it, I, I remember seeing that and thinking, I don't know what she's got, but I want it. How did you develop that thing of the audience of one, of just regardless of who else was in the room or where else you were, that you're it, just going to cast your affections on it? It's actually
1: him? just made me cry. So Sorry. I'll bust up over this. Is, um, I was, I, my family didn't love the Lord at all, but I was just a little girl who suddenly started going, who is this God? and we had instruments in our house, and God taught me how to play the piano, and I wrote some songs on the piano, and I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was eight and ten, and he was prophetically just downloading songs, and teaching me, God was, because I had nobody in my house to even show me or teach me what this was, and even they put me into a Catholic school, and um, I don't have it on right now, but my nana... I have a cross that was my nana's and it's a Catholic cross and I know a lot of people like get that icon around you know (laughs) but I'm like actually she was one who did love the Lord I'll I'll still hang on to that one but I was um I was just this little kid and so they put me in a Catholic school and I'm trying to reach out going someone help me I'm having all of these big encounters and the prophetic encounters I'm having visions and I don't know why I can write songs because no one ever taught me how to play an instrument I'm going to cry so and um and uh, we lived on a, in a beach town, and I just walk with Jesus. And I can't tell you why I did that. He just would invite me, and so I went. And really, it's the invitation. Everybody's invited like this, right? Every, every single heart. You, everybody gets invited into this. No one is left outside of this relationship. We have this ability to walk with intimacy with him where he becomes your best friend. The default, the go-to, something great happens in your day, and you're not texting your best friend. Or I text my husband, but it's actually first Jesus. Like, oh my gosh, I love you. And you have in jokes. Like, have in jokes, and you can laugh with this one who's become so close with you, right? And so I just was saying yes. And I didn't even know what that was because no one, no adult could help me with that. And when I was about 14, 15, I found um, a, a church, it was a Protestant church. That's very filled with the Spirit and very in revival. And so, it, uh, honestly, that's the hand of grace. That was just the hand of grace. So I, I don't have a great answer for that, and I'll cry if I keep
0: talking about it. No, that's beautiful. Crying's okay. Um, so you just announce it when you cry. I just do it. Um, but I think uh, we'll, we'll do the rest of this next week, the, the other points. Um,
1: I, I do want to say this, because this is, this is key for our church, and this, is, this will be key for my life, and I'll leave my church if this doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> if the Holy Spirit leaves, I'm leaving too. <laughs> That's good. Um so before we planted, we're four years young. Young. This is a young, this is an infant church. We're still in infant stages. Um, um but before we planted, we planted four years ago, six years ago though, I was in a church and I loved all the people there. But the Holy Spirit was not free. And the Holy Spirit wants to be very free to move. Right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, the Lord is the Spirit, and He wants to be the Lord in the church. The Holy Spirit has got to be Lord in the church. He's got to be who instructs, who gives us the instructions, the strategy, the plans, who who names who the pastors are, the pastors, the evangelists, the apostles. He's got to be the one instructing when we start programs, when we stop programs, what to do, when to move, when to expand, get a new building. He's got to be the one that is telling us how to do it all. That's when he's Lord. And so if he's Lord in our life like that, he can be Lord in the church too, um, and so six years ago, praying, I'll explain this term. There's a term called practical cessationism. Cessationism is the Holy Spirit left the planet after the writing of Scripture because we didn't need him anymore because we had Scripture, which is a bogus, bogus piece of trash. It's not true. The Bible doesn't say that at all. Uh, but a lot of people pray, pray, uh, believe that and live that. A lot of churches operate on cessationism. There's another form of cessationism. It's called practical cessationism. Can, can, can cesa- I just, yeah.
0: on that, so not to mansplain, because um, she does a much better job of this than I do, but cessationism basically is a doctrine that teaches that all the, mir- all the miracles that you saw in the New Testament church, healings, prophecies, word of knowledge, all this stuff, it all stopped with the apostles, and it doesn't happen today. So they, they would teach that there is no... Speaking in tongues. There is no manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The only role of the Holy Spirit is to lead people into salvation. But after that, there's no power attached to it. That's called cessationism, meaning that the Holy Spirit ceased. It's a false doctrine. And so it's a doctrine created yes, by demons. it is. I'm just yes. going to say that. So like, I'm not even
1: going to hold back. That is a doctrine of demons because it is limited and pushed the Holy Spirit out of the church and out of people's lives. And so people don't even want to pray in tongues. They don't even want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid of it because we, they've been taught to be afraid of it by religious spirits in churches. Now, right. here's the thing. Here's the thing is um, practical cessationism is there might be a head nod toward Holy Spirit. Yes, we believe in the praying. I pray in tongues, and the leader might say, I pray in tongues, but never really teach people, never really give the expression of the Holy Spirit through the church, never really give the expression of the prophetic through the church, never really uh, get people, see people baptized into the Holy Spirit, right? Never um, teach on it as the thing. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is the thing for the believer. Like, we are a new creation, because we've given our life to Jesus, Jesus ratified the new covenant, but the new covenant is the Holy Spirit coming into us and filling us and making us new in Christ, right? Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a Christian's life is wide open. It's like, uh, what's that military term? Um, damage day. Damage. Collab- no, oh, it doesn't matter. I think of a military term. It's like the, the Christian, the believer has completely no power, Quote scripture all day, but the Holy Spirit is not welcome. It doesn't even matter. It's the Holy Spirit is the one who's the power in us in the first place. We have no power of our own. So as worshippers, we're filled with the Holy Spirit to do this, to live God's will every single day. And with, 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 with six years ago, it's where I was going, with six years ago, I was really praying, because I was in a church that's very practical cessationist. Talk about Holy Spirit, but not allow Him to be Lord. So, He's got to be Lord. He's got to be Lord. Holy Spirit has got to be Lord. He said this to me six years ago. Because I was broken and praying on, like, tears, snot on the floor, right? He goes, and, and loudly, so it's intercession, and out of me burst, I want my church my way. But it was really Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit, I want my church my way. It's the cry of the Father's heart. It's the cry, it's why Jesus came. It's why Holy Spirit fills the believer and fills the church and inhabits our praises and comes in a greater way when we worship together. It's because He wants the church His way. And so when we are worshippers and we live obediently, our lives are laid down. We are surrendered, yielded, given over, everything, nothing hidden, nothing held back. We become the people that allow him to have his way again in the earth. The Holy Spirit wants us to be just like Jesus in the earth again. Same miracles, same preaching, same testimonies, same like city changing, like earthquake causing words coming out of our mouth because they're empowered by Holy Spirit, same worship coming out of us because Jesus would go alone again and again through the night. He spent time early mornings up mountains on his own. He did that to demonstrate to us as to be our way of life too. get alone with the Lord, get alone with the Lord, develop the intimacy and let that be the thing that the whole rest of your life flows out of your intimate relationship with him.
0: Can I share one practical thing about me? That's beautiful, Remy. Uh, the worship thing, right? So I grew up um, in, a, in a Christian family, and my parents have always been passionate worshipers, so I've always had this example. But for me, I remember I was a teenager, and it uh, just wasn't cool, you know what I mean? And so I was like, I don't, know, I don't know anybody like me that worships like my parents do. That's kind of their thing. And I'll just... But also, I was growing... And, uh, but I had a radical encounter with God when I was uh, 20 years old, and I remember coming back into my church, and I wasn't the same person. But I'm six foot eight, so I would be in a church where everybody's raising their hands, or what most people were, and I'm like, I already stick out, and if I raise my hands, people are going to run. <laughs> and not only that, but I my body is very efficient at cooling itself. That means I got sweaty pits all the time. And so I'm like, if I raise my hands, I'm going to look like a giant. My sweaty pits are going to show. And I don't know what's going to happen if I do that. So I remember sitting there, but there was something in me. I'm like, I really want to raise my hands. Why am I fighting myself in this? And so your eyes, man, I'll tell you what, I've never closed my eyes so hard. I almost passed out. I've closed my eyes so hard. And then it's just the, all right, Lord. And I'm like stiff as a board. (laughs) Looking around. Okay, no one noticed. Going to go halfway. All right, Lord. And now you're looking really weird because you're like. (laughs) And then look around. Kind of nobody paying attention. I was like, all right. (laughs) And I just lifted him to the sky. And I felt something come over me. I don't know if it's his presence or what, but it was like this release that, that came out. And I just felt so free. But then I still had this self-conscious moment, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, sometimes the right one's okay, but you just got to check the left one. You're like, all right. I opened my eyes and looked around, and no one was paying attention to me. (laughs) And the Lord's like, did you really think anybody was going to be, do I ask what he fits in today? I just realized, I don't know. (laughs) Did you think people would be paying attention to you? Because they're the ones that are worshiping me, and and you're worried about this. Something broke in me that day. It broke in me. Now, a big part of my uh, ministry life years ago, and kind of still is, pastoring our Navy Special Warfare in this area and our SEALs and EODs and SWICs and that kind of stuff. and So I've got a lot of SEAL friends, and I, I would have guys that would be in church with me that um, they weren't on the news, but what they did was always in the news. I'm like, oh, you're gone for two weeks. And they're like, yep. And uh, yet I'm standing next to these guys that have done these amazing things, super dangerous stuff. And their hands are raised, and they're lost in worship. And I remember asking him once, I'm like, look, dude, nobody here else knows what you just did two weeks ago, but I'm going to ask you, do you ever feel weird? Like, because this is an act of surrender, right? And I remember he told me, one of the guys, he goes, you know, when it comes in regards to my country, he said, I already gave my life the day I signed up. Like, I don't hope that, one, that none of them want to die. But he said, the moment I committed to doing this job, I committed to die for my country. So when every day I, I get up, I've already, I've already given my life for my country. I just hope I get to keep it. Does that make sense? And he said, my relationship with Jesus is the same. So I can raise my hand because he already has all of me. I'm all in. I don't do this hoping God sees me and goes, Oh, blessings. I do this because I, I've already paid that price. I'm already all in. And I went, if that guy can worship and get a touch from God like that, then man, I've got no excuse whatsoever. I just want to encourage our men here something will break in you. If, I'm not saying if you raise your hands, that's not the only thing, right? But sometimes that prophetic act of raising your hands can be the thing that breaks this over your life. And you will find a strength you never knew existed. You will find a power that is greater than the stuff that you got to face at work. I know many people here are going, I have to decide whether I'm going to get a a shot or not. I've got to decide whether to leave my job i got to decide whether to all this stuff. And all these things. And I get calls constantly. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Help me. And I'm like, worship, man. God will show you. He'll be with you. And rather than let the fear and anxiety grip your heart, surrender to God. Surrender and worship. And you'll find the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. We've got more stuff, but I think we should probably do this next week. We want to help talk a bit about what leadership looks like in the church. Fivefold ministry, some of you may have heard about that. It's a funny catchphrase. That phrase isn't in the Bible, but it describes a principle of leadership in the Bible that we want to operate our church under. We'll talk about that probably next week. Um, but how do you want to end this morning? Just give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus if they haven't
1: it. or you're recommitting.
0: Yeah, go for it. Yeah,
1: so... Um, Looking around the room, I know most people. <laughs> so a few I don't know, and we are, just gonna, I'm going to ask you. Um, we've been talking about Jesus, and we've been worshipping Jesus, and um, Brent was talking about seeing someone give their life to Jesus on the road. I want you to understand something, is there are only two kingdoms. There is the kingdom that belongs to Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of life, light. Is the kingdom of uh, heaven, can be called that in scripture but the thing is the other kingdom it belongs to satan and everyone who belongs to that kingdom is going to face a christless eternity in hell every single believer in christ jesus will be in eternity in heaven with jesus in eternity in a glorious glorious place with him there's only two kingdoms there's no middle ground there's no fence setting there's no other gods They're just demons parading as gods trying to get people's attention. I want you to really understand this is the distraction that the world can throw in people's eyes of media, TV, social media, friends, any kind of idolatry that you can think of, including New Age, including Hinduism, including the false religions. These things are distractions. God wants your worship because he knows it's the thing that sets you on a path to have relationship with him and bring you into his kingdom, which will last forever. Your child is fine, by the way. Really fine. Jesus loves children. so I'm trying on, to give Xander. my life
0: to Jesus. Come on. Come on, Xander. You got it, buddy.
1: Here's the thing is the thing that makes the difference between which kingdom you decide whether you're going to follow Jesus or not. You decide whether you're going to give your life to Jesus and say, I'm all in. Hello. I'm all in. Xander's, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> There's no fence sitting. It's either you're all in or you're all in the devil's kingdom. Jesus's or the devil's. There's only two kingdoms. It's light and dark. It's death or life. And Jesus, the far, through, through Moses, he said, choose life. Choose this day. Who you will follow is choose life, choose me. God, continual cry through scripture is choose me, choose me, choose me, choose me. I promise you it'll go well for you. Choose me, choose me, choose me. So I'm going to ask every heart right now, just ask your heart. Maybe close your eyes and give the person next to you some space. Bow your head if you want to, you don't have to. I'm just really going to ask if there's anybody here in the room that's saying, Yes, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to repent. I need to confess him as my Lord and Savior. Or if there's people in here that have been around church but haven't made that decision or did it sometime but your love for the Lord has grown cold. Right now, with every head bowed, no one else is looking around, you have some privacy here to respond to that. I just want to see it. Lift up your hand now. Don't be shy. God loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you so that you could be brought back in a relationship with the Father. Jesus loves you. All right, so okay, so no hands, no hands went up, that's fine. If there is someone in the room and you want to come and talk to me a bit later, or Clayton, feel free, do feel free, do feel free. I want to finish with this. Evangelism is supposed to happen in the streets anyway. We will do calls here, Not not a big deal. But this is the place where the family gathers. We do communion, we do worship, we do teaching. You are to be in your neighborhood. You are to be in your workplace. You are to be walking around your neighborhood, talking to people and inviting them to meet Jesus. You have the ability, the Holy Spirit will give you the words in the mouth so that you can be the one in doing the inviting and doing the evangelism. Every believer has this job is tell of the testimony of the Father, tell of the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, and you don't even have to strive into those words, you can trust that the Holy Spirit is on the back of those words, empowering them into that person's heart, that God will have his way in the heart, and God will empower his own words in that person's heart, not a single word spoken from your mouth that is about God, about testimony or scripture, will fall to the ground without God having his way on those words in that person's heart, right? So trust God. Keep speaking about who Jesus is. Keep praying for people. Ask God to give you words of knowledge for people's lives or healing, something. Holy Spirit, like, is with you every moment of every day. Angels are with you all the time. Heaven is behind this, right? Heaven is with you when you're doing it. Amen. 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 Amen.